Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Truth Serum with Duke Wigwe. Today, we are going to be talking about mental capital in the workplace, and we are looking at when people are assets. When people are assets. Now, I'm very happy to be discussing this with none other than Lady Abel. Why am I happy to be discussing this with Lady? Guess what? Lady has just written a very impressive book, People as Assets, Building High Performance Organizations. And the moment I saw the book, which, by the way, is not only well written, but the packaging is even very good, which is something that, I mean, when you see it in Nigeria, you really have to comment on it. But definitely the packaging is very good and the content is also thought provoking. As soon as I saw it, I just knew she had to be a guest on the podcast because she has insights that she can share with us. You know how much I talk about mental capital and how much I think that it is such an asset for the workplace. So I really think that Lady would be um, giving us her insights on how people really are assets. So we'll go on into the show and I'm going to be asking Lady to introduce herself before I ask her the next question that's really burning on my mind. So, Lady, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Modupe. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Right. Now, like I said, I'm so excited. Um, first, congratulations on your book. Is this your first book? Thank you. Yes, it is. It's my first oh. book. Okay, very well done. Very well done. Thank you. You know, I'm glad I was able to get a copy and um, and read through. So, tell us about yourself and what made you decide to write this book. Okay, so um, as you would imagine, a lot of people have actually asked me this question. Mm -hmm. So, I'll start by telling you a bit about myself and a bit about my background. And then uh, I'll let that flow into why I decided to write the book. I actually, uh, I like to say that I used to be an accountant because, uh, you know, I'm actually an accountant. I studied accounting and then I walked, I started my career with Pricewaterhouse. It was Pricewaterhouse then before it became Pricewaterhouse Coopers. I started my career there in auditing and then from there I went into banking and I was in banking for about 17 years. And I like to say that I was very fortunate in my career because I got the opportunity to work in so many functions, you know. I worked oh, sorry, in banking in Nigeria. Banking in Nigeria, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. My entire career has been in Nigeria, actually. Mm -hmm. Yes, even though I, I had a lot of interactions with, um, you know, global bankers and all that. So uh, I, I've been very fortunate in my career because I worked in so many functions. So I had a very good exposure in terms of breadth and depth of experience. You know, I worked in operations, I did a bit of marketing, I worked in audit, I worked in risk management. But what I loved most in my career was when I actually moved into strategy. And I enjoyed strategy because strategy covers everything including, as you would imagine, people, because people are mm. the heart of any strategy. So um, strategy was what I really loved. And I think when I left banking, that influenced my decision 
to start a consulting firm, Rachel um, Abels, and now we have another company, Stratica, you know, and Stratica is about strategy being practical. So, uh, what I've been doing for the past about 11 years mm. has actually been consulting, you know, and we focus mostly on issues to do with people. Uh, we also do a lot of capacity building or training, and then we also do a lot of uh, bespoke projects for clients. Yes. Well, you'll find out that everything centers around people. Now, the reason why I decided to write a book, I've always been uh, passionate about how you get people to deliver results, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a quote by Dale Carnegie that I really like. And mm-hmm. it says, uh, I may not be quoting verbatim, but basically it says there's only one way to get people to do a thing. And the only way to get people to do a thing is to get them to want to do that thing. So true. So you know, true. Yes. Yeah. So basically, it says you have to convince people, you have to influence people in a positive way. And that's mm-hmm. the best way to get results. Mm-hmm. I was also lucky in my career in another sense. In the sense that I got into um, leadership position in my career very, very early on because I qualified as a chartered accountant early. And in those days, once you qualify, you started to lead a team, you know. Mm-hmm. Most of my career, I've actually supervised people. Um, and then when I think back to my career, what I experienced in the corporate world, and then when I think back to working with clients also, yeah. you just realize that everybody says that people are our most important assets. <laughs> yes. But when you actually dig deep mm-hmm. and you watch how a lot of organizations or a lot of managers relate mm. to the people. Mm. With the assets. With mm-hmm. these assets, then mm-hmm. you to ask yourself and you find out that there are gaps. It's yeah. we do not fully understand what assets are mm-hmm. or maybe somewhere along the line, people mm-hmm. just don't have the patience, you know, yeah. to yeah. work with people and treat them as assets and get the best results from them, while also making those assets feel like they're valued and they're mm-hmm. being nurtured and they're being taken care of. So I thought, let's put all of this in a book that anybody can read and understand, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why I decided to write the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. You know, you said a couple of things that... Um, you just jumped at me now. You said you you were fortunate enough to have worked in different, uh, different departments. Functions. Yeah, different functions. Yeah. Okay. So what three skills do you think you used the most in all in the different roles that you played? Hmm. Very, very interesting question. And uh, I think... It's um, fairly easy, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Number one is what I'll call resourcefulness mm. or being creative. 
Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, you nobody knows everything, and there will never come a time when you will know everything. True. What being resourceful is when you have a task or you have a challenge before you, mm-hmm. you have to know where to go mm-hmm. to learn how to solve that issue. You know. Um, and you have to find a way to solve the issue. And issues come in different ways, so you can't apply the same solution to every situation that comes up. So, I I, I call that being resourceful or being creative. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is being persistent. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know how to call it being persistent or having a lot of grit. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think when we were in school they, or in the Nigerian parlance, there's something people call shan't agree, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to back down from this, you know. Yeah. So when the challenges come, you find a solution and then you roll up your sleeves and you go at it and you just walk at it. Mm-hmm. Now, the third thing, and I had said this to many people, you know, younger people in the course of my career. The third thing is, just do your job diligently mm-hmm. for the sake of doing your job diligently. For the sake of saying that whatever passes through my hands, whatever has yeah. my mark on it will be done excellently, right? Yeah. yeah. What I mean by that is, honestly, yes, when you're working, you want to be promoted, you want to be recognized and all that. But honestly, you know, in the course of my career, half of the time, I wasn't working because I wanted to be promoted. Not that I didn't want to, mm-hmm. but that wasn't the reason, you know, why I was putting in so much effort into my work. It was just that sense of um, delivering things excellently. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. to summarize, <laughs> you know, be yeah. resourceful, mm-hmm. uh, greedy, and then um, having a passion for excellence. So to have a passion for self, uh, for um, excellence, yes. one needs to be self-motivated. Do you agree? Right, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Okay. And then the grit could also be called resilience. Yes, correct. Yeah? correct. Okay. All right. Now, looking back at the industry, hmm. you know, and managers today. Yes. What would you say are the skills that they need to manage their people? Hmm. So, um, you know, in such a way that the people feel like assets. Yes. So I think that the skills that managers need today and skills that managers needed decades ago. Yes. In terms of the ability to make people feel like assets and also deliver as assets because there are two sides to the coin right they must feel like assets which means they feel valued and all of that but they must also deliver because assets must deliver and in an organization people must deliver results so for the managers i think before we get to the skills it's not from the mindset because what i have found out is what you believe deep inside you yeah very difficult to mask it you may be able to mask it some of the time but you can't mask it permanently you know yeah so i think it starts with a deep belief that first and foremost believe in the dignity of the human being you know just because this person is a human being yeah 
believe in the dignity of a human being and you start from there. Okay. Then you see that I cannot deliver results alone. I need people. Yeah. When yeah. you know that you do need people, then you realize that you have to find a way to work with people. You know? Yeah. And when you believe in the dignity of the human being, then you'll know that when you're working with people, there has to be mutual respect. Mm. It doesn't matter mm. whether the mm-hmm. person is, you know, five levels or ten levels below mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. There must mm-hmm. be that respect, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it starts from a belief deep within you. Now, when, mm-hmm. when we get to the skills, there's some skills that managers... Sorry, before you, before you go into the skills now, right? Yeah. All the things that you have listed are influenced by our experiences in life, by our upbringing, by, you know, it, all of these things that shape our perspectives. Hmm. So what we're saying is that a manager goes into the workplace with all of this, hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, in fact, in most cases, when we're recruiting, we don't have a way of finding out Mm-hmm. what a person's mindset is on certain things mm-hmm. you know and uh, um, our beliefs the beliefs that we formed over time before we even came into the organization at all okay yeah okay, okay. Well, let me let me address that and mm-hmm. I think you've said two very two very fundamental issues one is you know the fact that we're shaped by our backgrounds our experiences mm-hmm. and all of that. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, when we're recruiting, mm-hmm. it's difficult to know the mindset of the person. Mm-hmm. Now, on the issue of us being shaped by our background and experiences, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. That is true. However, I believe that is part of the story. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. I feel that everybody, every day, we make choices, right? Yeah, true. And regardless of the sort of experiences we have had in life mm-hmm. every day we can decide to um, let those experiences make us better people or let those experiences make us worse people mm. they, this famous story of I don't know whether it's true or not you know two brothers from the same parents mm-hmm. and the father was very abusive right Mm-hmm. And the, one of the brothers says, oh, wow, with a father like that, you know, there's no way I'm going to treat my wife the same way because I've seen what he did to my mother, right? And the other brother says, oh, wow, with a father like that, how else would you expect me to treat my wife? This is all I've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, the story says you can experience the same thing and yet talk in different ways. So, Yes, I, I, you know, I recognize that, but I feel that we have choices to make. And I still feel that, you know, the reason why, why do we continue to acquire knowledge? Okay? Why do we continue to read? Why do we listen to, you know, things like we research and all that? It is so that we can continue to change and improve ourselves. You know, now, you know, when we talk about mindset, a lot of the time, when you hear mindset, what mm. you think? Sorry if I'm digressing a little. Oh, no, 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 it's quite it. relevant. Yeah. You know, when you hear mindset, you get a sense of something that is set and fixed and cannot mm. shift. 
Mm-hmm. Well, the truth mm-hmm. of the matter is, that is not what mindset is. Okay. I choose to understand mindset the way you understand a TV set, you know, yeah. a set. something that mm-hmm. is receiving input, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that you can change the channel, you know, mm-hmm. and change what is in your mind and rearrange what is in your mind at any point yeah. in time. And we all have the power to do that. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that people do change and people can change. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. So Absolutely. That's that. Now, yeah. on the issue of how we recruit, mm-hmm. one of the things that I have found very effective and think about it, Mutika. You know, as um, women, and I'm going to go a bit uh, gender biased now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Women, mm-hmm. Be my guest, please. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, when um, I want to hire a new help, you know what I do? I tell them to come for the whole day. Mm-hmm. They actually work for that day. I mean, of course, I pay them, feed them, and all of that for the day, but I let mm-hmm. them actually work. And I watch mm-hmm. them because when you're watching and you know what you're looking out for, you see a lot of things. Not that she'll know everything, but you'll know how she reacts when you correct her. You know, mm-hmm. you'll know whether she's doing the work um, reluctantly. You just see a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, what I advocate, and in my book, if you see the, the segment on uh, admission and recruitment, mm-hmm. yes, I love yes. assessment centers. Mm-hmm. You know. They will not give you the full picture because no matter how much you try to mimic the real workplace, you know, you won't be hundred percent. But assessment centers help. And if you have um, a panel of assessors who have been properly trained, mm. properly are, trained being the operating firm. Exactly. And remember yeah. that I had said before that all of this before we get to skills is about what is deep down, what is the current belief of the manager, and that it is difficult to hide what you actually believe, right? Mm. So, there are a lot of things, there's no silver bullets. If you have assessors that have been properly trained, and you run an assessment center, which essentially means you try to imitate the workplace, and you watch how they react and how they behave, Mm. it will be easier for you to identify um, the candidates whose cultural beliefs will fit better into the organizational culture. Mm. You know, I mean, it's not easy and it's not expected to be easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, but uh, it can be done with minimal margins of error. Mm-hmm. 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 But even more importantly is h- how critical is it you know, what does it, um, what are the benefits to the organization of doing it, of doing this? What makes it so important that it should be done? Okay, that what should be done now? Sorry? No, no I mean, when, when you're saying it's not easy. Oh, okay. To do, but I'm saying that even looking at it, you know, what, why is it so critical? Why should an organization be keen on doing it? What does the organization stand to gain? What does it stand to lose? Okay. Do you mean uh, the selection process? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So, you know, I say to people and I say to clients that 
your organization is like in a sense it's like a sanctuary right mm -hmm. you need to be very careful who you bring in mm. not just because you know if you get it wrong um the recruitment cost and all of that but because yeah. some people can actually be toxic to your organization absolutely you get it wrong. so you bring yeah. that in one they're not delivering results Mm -hmm. a lot of resources to either mm -hmm. talk up to them or to try to train them and all of that right but mm -hmm. more dangerously some people can become very toxic yes not only are they not performing they're also discouraging other people oh, from performing or delivering yes. you know mm -hmm. and then they're diluting the culture that you want to build that assessment point is like your gateway. That's where you have to select very carefully who comes in and who stays out. Right. Okay. So now you were talking about the skills. I'll let you quickly, you know, mention the skills before I ask my next, okay. my next right. question. Right. So the skills for managers to treat people as assets and get results out of them, you know, after we've dealt with the belief system and all of that, uh, the skills are all of the things that you need to manage what I call the employee in organization lifespan, which is how do you select the people that come into your team if you have the option? A lot mm -hmm. of the time, you know, teams are formed and you as a manager, you've got to lead the team and that's fine. You, you work with what you have. So you need to know the skills to set targets. That's mm -hmm. very important. And you'll be amazed at how often this is lacking, where targets are not properly set. And therefore, your team members don't even know what it is they're meant to deliver, really. Mm -hmm. you know, it's all sort of wishy-washy. And when you don't set clear targets, mm -hmm. there's a lot of problems lying ahead. Because then, you don't know whether they're delivering results. They don't know mm -hmm. whether they're delivering results. When it comes to time to assess them, it's a confrontational session, you know. And there's a lot of um, demotivation because nobody knows. They don't know what to do to get ahead. So that's one. Managers need to learn how to set targets for the people. The but what, do they, what would they require to be able to set these targets? Okay, now, it starts from what the organization is all about, what the organization is trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. And there are two broad areas to this. One is their strategy, you know. How do they want to position in their industry? Mm. The other one is their tactical targets, like their budgets for the year, you know. Mm. But the strategy is also very, very important because no two organizations are the same, you know. You can have two banks, but the two of them are... Um, they're working the market in different ways. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some say we're just mainly um, going to expand our branch network. Another one says, you know what? We're going to go digital. That's how we're going to capture the market. You know, so that's where it starts. And we always say that when you're setting targets, it has to flow from the top, from the corporate targets mm -hmm. to the department and then to the individuals. Mm. And your people should have targets that are helping the organization achieve what it wants to become. Otherwise, they're just wasting their time, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So basically, what the managers need will be to know what the organization wants to achieve and what their own, what the team targets are. Mm 
Yes. So the challenge where we've seen a lot of challenges in setting targets is people find it difficult to set targets that are measurable, you know, mm-hmm. and that are um, critical to the success of the organization. So you find that in trying to compensate for this, they just had a laundry list of tasks. I hear you. And I also think that communication, being able to communicate um, the targets is key. Um, For example, even if this has been properly um, outlined and a manager does not have good communication skills. Yes. So on the team, the person is unable to um, uh, carry others along, you know, speak in such a way that people see the vision, see what, understand what he's saying. The person is not attentive, is not a good listener. The yes. person is, does not know how to give feedback mm-hmm. as well. So I think that prob- that would only make matters much worse. Absolutely. You know, and e- e- even if the organization has done its bit, Yes. The manager has a responsibility for this uh, this part of it. So if the manager is unable to do that, it would affect whatever message the um, organization is trying to send out. Definitely. Definitely, Mudupe, you're spot on. You know, what? one of the things we say is when you set targets, there must be a conversation. You don't just hand over a, a piece of paper. There has to be a conversation. You have to explain the context, you know, mm-hmm. a larger mm-hmm. picture. Why are we doing this? You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. there must be what we call vision sharing. You must share your vision, not only the corporate vision, but mm-hmm. if you're the head of the team, the mm-hmm. team has to have a vision which you must share with your team members. So they must understand what we're all about, you know. They must understand the larger picture, the context and all of that. And um, you must continue to interact with them. You don't wait until it's time exactly. to There must be continuous feedback. You're monitoring, you're coaching, you're helping, you're exactly. guiding, you know, mm-hmm. um, when you're a manager. Mm-hmm. And um, you have to know your people. You have to know the nuances yes. of your people because people yes. are different. Mm-hmm. What will make me deliver may not be what will make me better deliver, for example. Mm-hmm. So you have to study each of your team members. I say to people that being a manager is like being a parent, you know, mm. both mm. of them are the same. So you must know your people, you know. And uh, I feel, again, at the heart of all of this, is to really care for people. Really. It's a what? It's to genuinely care for oh, people. Yes. Yeah. Oh, right. Now, are these things that can be taught? Because, you know, you mentioned earlier about also doing a lot of capacity building. Are these skills that can be taught? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, from experience, there is no skill that cannot be taught. Mm -hmm. Um, For some people, you know, they'll catch on sooner than others. Mm. There's no one Mm -hmm. that cannot be taught, really. And then, Mm -hmm. one of the things we do also when we train, when we teach, the, the method of teaching is also very, very important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it will change from audience to audience. Mm-hmm. And even when you're in class, there are times when what you had planned, you realize that it may not be working for some members of the class, some of the participants. 
and it's flexible because you must transfer knowledge to them. So these things can be taught. Yes, and again, that's part of the job of a manager. When you see that your some of your team members are weak in certain areas, yeah. your responsibility to ensure that they get help, that they get some uh, training, or they get development. It could be on the job training, it could be exposures. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, what has the reaction been to your book so far? Oh, interesting. Mm. So, um, consistently, people yes. have said a few things. One is even beyond the workplace. People have said they have found the book very, very useful in relating to people generally, even outside of the workplace. Mm. Hmm. And people have also said that they found the book to be highly um, engaging. You know, I've had a lot of people say, "I started to read it. I wanted to just read a few pages and see what it looked like," and then they couldn't put it down. Mm-hmm. And people have also said that it's one business book they have read yeah. that was so easy to understand because, and mm. I completely made it so. You know, yes. someone said to me as I agree with that. Some people read that you have to look for a dictionary to even understand what you're reading. And you exactly. Know, so, I deliberately wanted to write a book that people could relate with, mm-hmm. and a book that will be very practical that you literally can pick it up and use it as a blueprint yeah. on the job. And I believe that I have been able to achieve that. You know, yeah. analogies in the book. You see that there's a lot of soccer analogy in the book. Yes, I I, I noticed. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you know because I think soccer is such a clear game. I mean, the ball yes. is in the net; it's a goal, right? So yeah. you're setting yeah. targets. You know what you're trying to achieve, mm. and and then the way uh, the coaches work with the with the team and all of that. I think that we can relate a lot of that to the workplace. So mm-hmm. the reaction mm-hmm. has been very positive. People have really enjoyed reading the book. Okay, fantastic. That's really good. Um, I, I also love the way you used uh, teapot. Yes. Right. <laughs> so that I found that really interesting. So please, you know, tell us a bit more about this so that um, our listeners can just get an understanding of it. Okay. You know, the philosophy of the thing. Of the thing, yes. So, uh, again, a lot of people have said to me, I really love the teapot part of the book. Mm-hmm. Teapot, uh, for our listeners, teapot is T-P-O-T-T, and it stands for the philosophy of the thing. Mm-hmm. And I have always believed in life that starts with the philosophy, you know, and you know when we're talking about managers, I said it starts from the belief system. Mm-hmm. I feel that when you define the philosophy of anything you want to do, it makes mm. it easier. It serves as your true north. You know, mm. um, you asked me earlier in the interview that what were the, the skills that I found useful mm-hmm. throughout my career. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned to you about um, a passion for excellence. So, for example. If you say to yourself that whatever I work on must be excellent, it just guides you. It guides you to do a lot of things. For example, if you paper, you want to be sure that there are no typos, so you study thoroughly, right? Mm-hmm. You want to be sure there are no inaccuracies in what you have written. Mm-hmm. So you do your research very well. If you say that my philosophy 
for interacting with other people is that mm. I want to leave a positive impression. I want to let them leave me better mm -hmm. than before we met, better than they were before we met. It guides how you interact with people because you are conscious of the fact that you want to continuously have a positive impact on people, you know? But what happens if you do not define the philosophy of the thing ahead is you don't really know what you're about. It's like the saying that says, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there, you know? Exactly. Mm -hmm. The philosophy of the thing is like saying, I am going to Ikeja. Mm -hmm. I'm going to Ikeja for Mikuyu. So you know that you get on the top mainland bridge and you head towards Ikeja. You know, mm -hmm. you're not going to head towards Leki Eke, right? Mm -hmm. That is what defining the philosophy of the thing does mm -hmm. mean. And it is applicable in every aspect of life. You know, in chapter in chapter 10, right? Yes. Uh, employee engagement, head, heart, and hands. Right. You said uh, the most important thing to understand about the concept of employee engagement is this. It speaks to the ability of an organization to achieve the full-minded commitment mm. of the employees to the success of the organization while they themselves feel that they are valued assets to the organization. Therefore, they will go beyond the ordinary call of duty to what needs to be done to achieve organizational success. Yeah. You know, I just thought about that because you were talking about having um, a mindset of excellence, you know, making that your philosophy. Right. Right. So that it affects everything that you do or, or it guides it. Right. You know, now talking about um, people feeling valued as assets such that they are able to go beyond the call of duty, mm -hmm. you know. My first question with that is, how important, again, is this? How critical is mm. this for an organization such that it makes them truly understand what assets are, mm. you know? So yeah. how critical is it? If you were to put a monetary um, value. value on it, you know, how important is this? Yeah. So I will say that for any organization that really understands what they're doing mm -hmm. and that really understands that the people are the most important factor in their sustained success, mm -hmm. employee engagement is so critical. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you why. When you get your employee engagement strategy right, mm -hmm. You don't need to brief down the necks of your people, you know. Mm -hmm. They're going, they're raring to go for the organization. Mm -hmm. You know, they understand what the organization is about. They understand what the organization wants to achieve. And they, in their hearts, they want the organization to succeed, right? Mm -hmm. So whether the, the supervisor, the manager is watching or isn't watching, whether they're there or they're not there, Interestingly, you know, I was watching um, a show just before this, just before our session started. And if you permit me to digress, because I think it just talks to the heart of what we're trying to say. Mm -hmm. So there's a lady who's a, a, a journalist 
And she'd been working so hard. So a boss said to her, you need to take time off work and gave her two weeks off. And then she shows up in the office four days before the end of the two weeks. And the boss is like, why are you back here? You know, I don't want you burning out and all that. And she says, mm -hmm. as I was on the beach trying to unwind, she ran into a story. You know, she saw some story and that she just couldn't wait. She couldn't wait for the two weeks to be over. She had to come back to the office. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. Uh, imagine if she wasn't engaged, if she wasn't an engaged employee. I mean, she was out for two weeks. So essentially, employee engagement says our people, wherever they are, whether they're in the office physically or they're at home, they're looking out for the good of the organization. When there's yeah. opportunities, they'll bring the opportunities. They'll go after the opportunity on, on behalf of the organization and they'll bring it home, you know? For example, they run into someone that they feel will be a good hire for the organization. They don't keep quiet. They go after it, they come back, they report it to whoever it needs to be reported to. They're just looking out for the organization from their hearts. You know, just those people who are only working because they need to earn a pay and they're not committed. So what you get is just half-hearted. They're just doing the barest minimum. They're just doing the barest minimum. And research has shown that when employees are properly engaged, you know, um, you can actually tie it to the value of the shares of that company to the point where employee engagement um, out of Nigeria, you know, in, the, in, in other countries, is actually become a predictor of how well the shares of a company will perform on the stock exchange. Yeah, that's so huge, right? Now, how are we doing with that in Nigeria, though? So, um, I will say that there are some organizations who understand it and who are getting it quite right. You know, there are a lot more who believe that when I pay you, you better deliver and that's it. You know, it's very transactional. There, I think we have more of that, unfortunately, than those who actually understand the magic of having a, a, a proper employee engagement strategy and implementing it. But I feel that a lot more organizations are beginning to understand this as well. You know? mm -hmm. Yes, but we need to do a lot more in that regard. There, there's too much, um, um, I think there's too much of this sense of when I pay you, I'm doing you a favor. There's too much of that sense in a lot of organizations and it shouldn't yeah. be so. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's, that's so costly for the organization, is it not? It is costly for the organization. But you see, um, unfortunately for a lot of organizations, mm -hmm. they, they are doing well in quotes, right? Mm -hmm. But the question mm -hmm. organizations need to ask themselves is, how much better could we be doing? Even though we think we're doing mm -hmm. well, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But are there other opportunities out there that we're not bringing home, or could mm -hmm. do five times better, two times better, if we got our people's strategy right. right. That is what organizations need to ask themselves. Fantastic, and that leads us, you know, straight into my my next question. I mean, when we say organizations are doing well, mm -hmm. let's look at the new um, normal mm -hmm. and the new workplace. Right. that we have because it's highly unlikely that everything is going to go back to the way it was mm. before 
now there is such an increasing need for creativity and innovation like more than ever before Our ability to handle pressure you know all of these things have suddenly become so critical as skills that you and I need today to navigate the workplace right yeah. so even if we think as an organization that we're doing well are we really positioned for the new season that is upon us now hmm. well again um so as you know there are different types of organizations different industries mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. sizes um positions differently you know mm-hmm. um i think that a lot of organizations are trying to fit new wine in old skin you know Mm. What has happened happened so suddenly you know? yes. and a lot of mm. us went into makeshift mode mm-hmm. if you know what i mean i do i do in the sense that if you take a lot of organizations that had physical presence you know mm. and maybe multiple locations mm. before all of this started they're retaining those locations mm. people are mostly working from home but they're retaining those locations because they believe that people are going to come back <laughs> there are a few organizations and i think those are the ones who are properly positioned for this change i've heard of a few organizations who have said you know what since people started working from home productivity has actually increased because mm-hmm. if you take lagos for example mm-hmm. think about the commute time mm-hmm. it is also um the skin of sex people come to work they're tired productivity has increased mm. now suddenly we realize we don't need all this physical space anymore so yeah. actually yeah. we're going to cut down on our office space and people are going mm. to work from home permanently mm-hmm. i take the point that not every organization can do that you know mm-hmm. but for those that can you find out that a lot of people are still foot dragging mm-hmm. and that brings mm-hmm. the point you made yes this is a time when we need to be very very innovative very creative because the structure of work has to change mm. the things that interestingly we have been mouthing for so long you know flexible mm. power yeah. home and all of that mm-hmm. but came and forced all of us to realize that it can actually be done <laughs> yes that it's possible <laughs> exactly so i think organizations should go back to the drawing board start from mm. zero and re-strategize and restructure work so that they can take full advantage of this new situation that we've all found ourselves in. Well, Lady, thank you very, very much. Honestly, um, this has been such an interesting session, you know. Um, well, we're going to have to round up here. Now, I'd like you to just uh, briefly let everybody know where they can get your book. Thank you. Thank you for that. So, Uh first the book is called People as Assets Building High Performance Organizations and it is available on Amazon uh, the printed copy and the Kindle version are available on Amazon uh Nigeria it is available on Jumia it is available on Konga mm-hmm. it's also available on newmaxng.com okay. so for now you can only order online 
you cannot get it in bookstores yet just order online and that is deliberate again you know okay the one again we are also adapting to the new normal so <laughs> <laughs> thank Bye. you okay all right then so lady abel thank you so much you know and i hope that um when we call you again you would be gracious enough to come back again um for another session with us yeah really thank you so much mujike and very well done i think you're doing a great job thank you i appreciate that i appreciate that all right everybody so we've come to the end of another episode of the truth serum and i hope that we've been able to give you some truths today and as you set out for the new week i'd like to say have a beautiful week keep yourself safe and be here again for another episode of truth serum next week take care of yourselves <laughs>